Hi, everybody, and welcome to another exciting adventure in podcasting. Delighted to be joined on this episode by author Judd Winnick. Judd, thank you for jumping in, and thank you for bringing the Marshmallow Man with you as well. <laughs> Much appreciation for that. Jason, it's absolutely my pleasure. I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't have my Marshmallow Man with me. So. <laughs> it's, a, it's a comfort object. It's a comfort object. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, we're, we're here in my studio, uh, and... Uh, quite often if anyone gets on down here they'll say like wow your kids have a lot of toys and i go <laughs> yeah the kids uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> hey hey no judgment here i don't have kids i have schnauzers and somewhere there's a a rocketeer action fi- figure around here i won't go looking for it but it, it is around here somewhere so it's, I, i'm it's sure i've got a rocketeer action figure around here somewhere as well <laughs> <laughs> So I'll I'll mention a couple of titles that folks are probably familiar with, as well as a couple of characters. You, of course, have worked for DC Comics that has been longstanding, uh, Green Arrow being one of those. And, uh, of course, this character called the Red Hood that people Mm -hmm. might be familiar with if they've seen Titans and read the books and read anything Batman in the past 15 to 20 years a big storyline mm-hmm. that's shaped the current continuity or continuities i'm not sure how that works uh and then i'm peeking over your shoulder right below the marshmallow man because there's also the graphic novel series hilo which i yes. appreciate a great deal as well and have recommended to people oh thank you sir appreciate it thank yeah. you yeah, absolutely. Um, I, As you know from listening to some of the episodes, I tend to start in those origins. Uh, I think it's my fascination with literacy history and things like that. So just curious about what connected you to writing, creating, and uh, sort of these science fiction and comics-based worlds. Well, I think... Um... The, the, the honest answer is that I, I, I had two camps that really uh, that I was really working in. Um, I wanted to I wanted to do a comic strip as a kid. That's always what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a syndicated comic strip that was in newspapers mm-hmm. and that was and cartooning and making up stuff like that was my huge passion. And on the flip side, just for entertainment, I read a buttload of superhero comics for nice. as long as I could possibly remember. Um, and I didn't think those two worlds would ever meet, uh, but it just it just kind of happened to work out that way. Because, um, like I said, I, I wanted to do a comic strip, and that was uh, that was my focus from the time I was little all the way through college. Mm-hmm. I uh, did a week, I did a daily comic strip uh, at the University of Michigan, the Michigan in the Michigan Daily. It was called Nuts and Bolts. Did that five days a week, which was incredible training. Um, then I got a development deal right out of uh, right out of school. I hadn't even graduated yet. Uh, development deal with Universal Press Syndicate to do my comic strip, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately, that development lasted less than a year because they actually didn't think my comic strip was up to uh, the current uh, competitive and professional standards that one needed to do a syndicated comic strip, and mm-hmm. that just about killed me. Mm, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, but. It, uh, it gave way to um, me having to move back in with my parents, uh, which is the dream of every 23-year-old. And, right, right. Um, but while living at home, I was watching MTV's The Real World. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, which which for some of our younger folks out there is one of the original reality TV programs on MTV. It takes seven people from around the country and put them up in a house and they can come and go as they please. It's like a documentary. It's uh, still running. Um, and so mine was almost 30 years ago. It was 1994. Okay. Um, and I was selected. I, I, I auditioned tryouts, a whole other longer story. I say all that to say this. So I went on this reality program called MTV's The Real World. Uh, I met uh, met the young woman uh, by the name of Pam Ling, who would later become my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also uh, my roommate on the show was a young man named Pedro Zamora, who was a 22-year-old AIDS educator and activist um, who was living with AIDS. And uh, to tell it as quickly as possible and giving it the short shrift, Pedro was the first time that uh, anyone had really truly seen someone living with AIDS. Um, it was a, this is 94 and very little was known really truly about uh, AIDS and HIV in a real honest way in the public. And Pedro was the first one to show them what it was like. Um, and he was, uh, he was a terrific young man. He was funny. He was warm. He was gentle. He was a terrific educator. He was a hero. He was a lion. Um, and unfortunately he passed away just a couple of months after we finished filming the show. Yeah. Yeah. I say all that to say this. Because um, uh, Pam and I began lecturing about Pedro in the years after he passed away. Um, in the meantime, I was still trying to get a comic strip going. I eventually did get syndicated. I syndicated mm-hmm. comic strip. Mm-hmm. And um, in this time when I was giving lectures about Pedro, it got a little harder to keep giving the lectures about Pedro. It just became emotionally taxing and going around the country, speaking at high schools and colleges. It was getting to be a lot. So I was trying to figure out a way to tell his story. Um without having to go out in front of people. And that's when I hit upon like, what if I tried to do a graphic novel, which I had never done before. Uh-huh. And I never really thought about telling a story in that way. I'd always done comic strips and, and, and one panel, uh, you know, uh, comics and things like that, just that stuff with a lot of humor and a lot of jokes, but nothing like this. So um, I went, took me about two and a half years. I did this book, which wound up be, uh, being called Pedro and me, uh-huh. which eventually got published. And with that, um, I decided, you know what? I don't think I want to do a comic strip anymore. I think this is how I tell stories. Um, and that is the beginning of the beginning. It's a long story, but that is it's what took me one. from wanting to do a comic strip as, as a little boy to doing a comic strip as a grown person to not want to do a comic strip anymore and finding out that to, the storytelling that I wanted to do was a longer form storytelling was a more kind of a richer storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and that all started with Pedro. I owe that to him as well. And, you know, among the many things I owe him, um, the first story I ever told in this case was an incredibly personal one. And then that gave way to everything else. Yeah, I, I appreciate so much about that. Um, both the the story of getting the initial rejection, or someone initially saying, "Hey, this is this is not the thing," and then sort of exploring, finding yourself, finding your path, and then finding the story that you want to tell and the way that you want to tell it. Which, uh, you know, the the path unwinds, I guess. And uh, it does. Yeah. It's it's it is a a lesson that I try to pass along to young people when I talk to them is that, you know, especially when you're young, um, when things present themselves, things, when opportunities, when journeys, when adventures, when things happen, Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, you gotta, a lot of times you gotta jump and then the net will be there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're young, that is the time to take risks, take big swings, make these big attempts, because when you're older, you are not going to be able to do these things. Right. <laughs> you're, right. <just> not, <laughs> you're not, you know, so um, in my case, again, you know, someone in their twenties, like, yeah, I think I want to try to like to make up a, a big giant comic book. And I've never done that before. And I, I don't know if I'll be any good at it. And I'm trying to take this very, you know, just like you, you can, that's when you can do it. That's when you can do it. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't work, Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. At least, you, you know, you don't know if you don't try, you know, you don't, uh, you don't succeed unless you try. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, it takes you down an entirely different path than you thought. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of different paths, if you, if you yeah. take some of the, like the DC work um, and you put it next to Hilo, the, there are commonalities, there are things as far as form, but also very different. So, so what's that been like to sort of go from one way of telling stories or, or actually telling stories in the same way, but very different stories and stories that are geared toward more than all ages sort of audience? Well, I, I spent, I spent 12 years doing superhero comics, give or take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that also came about because of Pedro Romy. I did this graphic novel and uh, my first editor was my friend, Bob Shrek, read, read Pedro Romy mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. when he was still an independent publisher and he offered to publish it if no one else would. to get a big mainstream publisher if you can. So we did. But when Bob went to DC, he, you know, he he believed in me more than, than I did. It was one of those times where like, I do you like, do you like superhero comics? Like, yes. <laughs> have, you, have you ever thought about writing them it's like not well not, not exactly and he said i think you'd be really good at this and and that's when he gave me a shot at writing green lantern um yes, yes. and green lantern led to green arrow and uh, and batman and, and and power girl and just the international like whatever 12 years of writing superhero comics mm -hmm. which is amazing and challenging and um and you don't have much time to to dwell too much you got to um, my buddy Greg Rucker would half joke sometimes that a number of times a lot of first drafts got published and that's right. pretty rough. You know, <laughs> you just, just got to keep moving. But it's uh, it teaches you a lot about, about how to write, you know, how to make up stories, how to do it quickly and how to sometimes if you get precious. I mean, one of my favorite stories about making things and storytelling comes from Pixar. Uh -huh. but the folks at Pixar, they say that we don't finish a movie. We just have to release it. You know, yeah. it's mm -hmm. just, you know, it's like, like we have to, we can keep working on it forever if they would let us. Mm -hmm. um, so that taught me a lot about, about every kind of form of storytelling and how to move things around and do all that. Hilo came about um, when uh, my son was, uh, uh, so this is about 10 years ago, a little longer than that. Uh, my son was seven years old. He wanted to read some of my Batman comics. Mm -hmm. And I had to tell him, no, you may not read my Batman comics. Um <laughs> My Batman comics are kind of for teenagers and the, yeah, uh, the, grown -ups. the Jason Todd thing is it's dark. Yeah, it's well, dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's, <laughs> it's got guns and stabbings and it's, it's, it's violent, it's intense. Mm -hmm. Um, so we poked around for a series that would be good for my seven year old, and uh, the one I gave him was uh, Jeff Smith's Bone, mm -hmm. and he mm -hmm. just flipped for Bone, he loved it, he loved it so much. Uh, I'm good friends with Jeff Smith, so I let Jeff know that my son just flipped for Bone, and Jeff then sent us two gigantic boxes full of bone merchandise just Aww. tons of stuff oh yeah 
so t-shirts awesome. and action figures and posters and uh just you know out-of-date calendars and just and my son became a bone super fan he's uh-huh. just he's just had tons of stuff just loved it loved it loved it and me i got a little bit jealous because i thought <laughs> you know i'm a cartoonist i should be able to make a story that he likes as much as bone and that became hilo yeah. um, i started doing hilo and um Oddly, it only occurred to me later in the doing of it. Um, well, a couple of things. One, that I kind of come full circle. Uh-huh. That I always, uh-huh. I wanted to do comic strips. And comic strips are this all-ages entertainment affair. You know, you know, mainstream newspapers are for everybody, 8 to 80. You know, you're, uh-huh. not, you're not doing it for kids. You know, my grandfather used to read the, you know, the funny pages. And my, and my mom and dad, you know, uh, everyone likes the comic strips. Um so for Hilo, I was kind of doing the same thing and both how it was drawn because it kind of looks like a comic strip yeah, and both yeah. the humor, which is kind of all ages. But I had this decade of doing superhero comics under my belt, which taught mm-hmm. me a lot about how to do it. And also what I really like doing. I like superhero stories. I like when people fly around and shoot lasers out of their hands and mm-hmm. fight giant robots and dinosaurs and there's magic and things explode. I just like this stuff. Um, and, uh, again, I got, I got pretty good at it over, over 10 years. Uh, mm-hmm. but one of the big differences is that, um, when you're doing superhero comics, you get in superhero comics, you get a call one day, you just hand it in a script. You go, I got this, this story coming out and Batman or what have you. And someone says, yeah, you can't use Dick race. You can't use Nightwing. They're like what? Well, <laughs> he's got this thing going on in his own comic and he broke his leg. So he's not gonna be able to do that. It's like they're doing what three months with him with a broken leg. Like, yeah, it's like that doesn't sound like a very good superhero comic. Like, well, that's their problem. You <laughs> you can't use him because he's got a broken leg. How about Martian Manhunter? Like, well, I don't want. Okay, oh, uh, let me figure this out. So in no time at all, you've just got to figure it out and make it work, uh-huh. um, which is a really great skill to get. That um, you become less precious about the story. You got to move. You got to figure yeah. it out. You got to take these pieces and move them around and you got to move forward. Um, So uh, it taught me how to make stories quickly, but I'm just, I'm swimming in the luxurious pool of not having to worry about someone telling me that Nightwing can't be in the book. I get to make all the decisions. No one's telling me what I can and can't do. So suddenly I'm free to tell the stories I want to tell and the way I want to tell them um, using all these, all these tools that, that, you know, that, I've been accumulating, you know, since I was 25. Um, nice. And, and um, I am very lucky. It took me it took me a while to land up right here doing Hilo and telling these stories. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, when I was a kid, I loved comic strips and I wanted to do that. And I loved superhero comics. And I never thought I was ever going to do that. Now, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing all that in one big stew. So yeah. very lucky in that way. Love it, love it. And I love seeing graphic novels on classroom libraries because they were not around when I was no. growing up. Um, no. So great to see books like Hilo out there for kids to enjoy and to dig into and, and for adults to enjoy as well. I'll say that as well. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I mean, it's just a theory. I think with, uh, well, with the decline of uh, newspapers, we're not we don't have comic strips as much as we used to. And people aren't, don't get newspapers as much as they used to. Mm-hmm. Kids used to get a daily, a daily dose 
of like 30 comic strips, cartoons used to come in their lives in print every single day. Mm-hmm. And when that went away, I think kids still like cartoons. Um, and I think somewhere in there, uh, there's a Venn diagram of, you know, graphic novels becoming uh, for kids becoming more mainstream. I mean, I, for the very first time in my life, uh, professionally, I was ahead of the curve. Usually I'm a good half mile behind if I'm lucky. In this case, Hilo started coming out just before uh, the marketplace and bookstores were inundated with graphic novels. So I got to be one of the, you know, I mean, there was Bone, there was everything by Raina Tegelmeyer, uh, there was Katsukabushi's Amulet, um, there was Lunch Lady, there was Jenny Holm and Matt Holm uh, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, uh, everything they were doing. And then just, I just kind of got in there at that time. So, you yeah. know, so now I'm like, I'm now I'm coming up on 10 books in, but I agree with you. Nothing makes me happier than going into a bookstore and a library, which used to have this tiny little section uh-huh, for uh-huh. graphic novels. And it'd be, you know, depending on where you were, like there'd be Spider-Man and Mouse. Mouse was there. <laughs> definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud, you yep. know, maybe be crammed in there. And, and now, now there's the graphic novel section, which is uh, just for the superheroes. You've got uh, your manga section, uh, you know, of library and bookstore. And now you've got your kids' graphic novels all in, you know, depending on your bookstore, an enormous section mm-hmm, <laughs> of mm-hmm. so many. I mean, I walk into my own neighborhood bookstore. It's like, I have not even seen these. What, what the hell are these? I mean, like <laughs> right. brand new books. I mean, I, and by the way, my ear is to the ground and there's so many coming out. And it's wonderful. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. I, I do feel... Quite honestly, it's um in a in a crass uh, capitalistic like like way. Um, I think it's actually a market that can be sustained. And I mean this in the best possible way, um, mm-hmm. because kids like graphic novels. Uh, teachers and parents are coming around more and more. Librarians are always, they're way ahead and they're mm-hmm. fine with they've been fine with they've been they've been fine with graphic novels for a long time. But um, I think it's beautiful. And when they and when a certain age group of kids grow out of them. Right behind them, there's another age group who's just come into the That's world. That's right. You know, That's right. when those seven-year-olds become 15-year-olds and are not interested, there's another group of seven-year-olds who are right behind them who are going to read those books. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So it is it is one of those things that will we'll keep continuing. And if they're anything like me, they'll go back and reread later on. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. That's, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we we comic book fans are a special special breed. We'll go back and read our, read the stuff over and over again. <laughs> true, um, true. And um, but I find kids do that. I mean, that's that's the thing. It's a debate, I guess. Um, I find kids read their graphic novels over and over again more than they read their prose books. Uh-huh. And um, it's not an either or thing. You can figure out why. It's because of the pictures. And uh-huh. uh, you know, they're they're more they're just more engaging in that way. And also they're shorter to read time-wise. Mm-hmm. What I mean is I think graphic novels often get a really bad rap. When a kid reads a prose book, it could take them a couple of days or a week or longer because it's a 200 page book of prose. It takes longer when they read a graphic novel. Some kids will get through it in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. And in that way, um, a lot of adults think that like, well, it's not real reading. Like, no, no, it's just a short story. That's the point. It's just, it's less words. There's less real estate to go over. It doesn't take away from it. And yeah. 
I got to tell you, I've not had a eight or nine year old ever come up to me with, with a prose book in their hand, pointing to a particular passage that they've highlighted uh -huh. to say like, this really spoke to me. No, <laughs> but with graphic novels, <laughs> yeah. they come up all the time and say, I love this panel. I really like this page or yes. I like this part, you know, uh -huh. and uh, it's an age thing. You know, it's, it's, it's what kids can, we're, we live in a, we're, we are visual human beings. We live in a visual world. And I think that's why they gravitate towards it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I've had students say, I see myself in this book. And it's oh. that moment where like, you just have to get out of your own way and be like, oh my gosh, this author, this illustrator, whatever the combination happened to be, like they've done this amazing thing. And I just get to sort of facilitate this little interaction that happened. <laughs> it's just amazing stuff. Um, the that's other thing wonderful. you mentioned, oh yeah, it's, yes. it's yeah. Uh, you have 10 of these. And so that's another huge yeah. part, which is that when someone really likes the first book, a kid, an adult, in this case, talking about kids, they want the next chapter and the next chapter. And that's, that's another great thing about a visual series like that. Oh yeah. I mean, the, the, the fun of the ongoing series is just that. I mean, again, mm -hmm. for us, for us, hardcore comic fans, that's that's what it's all about. You know, uh -huh. you I mean, you read, a, you know, you read your, your your 25 page comic and then 30 days from now you get to read another one um, with a lot of graphic novel series. They're doing the same thing. Like, here's one story and then the next one and then the next one and the next one. Uh, this has been going on for a long time um, for me personally. Uh, again, I get to bridge these two things I love so much, like, you know, being a cartoonist and doing silly drawings and things with lots of jokes to telling an ongoing superhero story that evolves and moves forward um, just the way it has with superhero comics. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and kids like that. I mean, they really yeah. do. They really like getting invested in the characters. Um, I mean, those are in all deference to all the folks who read Hilo, my favorite readers are the ones who can be called the geekiest ones who are like <laughs> us, you know, right, the ones right. who, you know, they want to get into the minutia and they have like the big spoiler questions. And at every mm -hmm. school I go to, when I go and talk, you know, we go to a Q and A. I said, okay, a couple of rules about Q and A. Like, you know, and I said, just now, if you have a question, it's a spoiler, meaning that the, we know what spoilers are, the surprises that comes in the book, I might cut you off. But when I'm done talking, come up here uh -huh. uh, you know, to the library or come up here to the stage and we're going to have a 10 minute spoiler conversation. I said, because y'all, Y'all are are my guys and gals. You are the Love ones, <laughs> you know, who you were me when I was a kid. I want to talk about, and they ask the most nitty gritty stuff. And half the time it's like, yeah, wait, what book was that in? <laughs> right, right. That was in book, that was in book three. It's like, <laughs> no, I don't remember. Cause I just, you know, I don't go back and read them like a ton. I like, I don't remember that was in three or four. It's like, no, oh, okay, carry on, <laughs> carry on. Yes. Wish monster. Okay. Yeah. That, I that is that monster has no significance. I don't know if that it, no. I, at the moment that monster is not coming back. Right, right, right. So I'm sorry, but maybe I will if you like it that much. Stuff like that. It's the best. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, so I have one more official question, and then we can sure. hit anything that we missed. And I'm going to sure. pause here to also give love to Jeff Smith because you mentioned him earlier, and I know he's having some health problems at the moment. So love to Jeff Smith out there. Uh, not, I'm sure he's, he, yeah, I'm, he, I'm yeah, sure he's he, not uh, listening all the time, but just in case, you know, I'll, I'll put that out there. No, no, no. Let us put it out to the universe. Um, I'm hoping for, um, a speedy and quick, well, forgetting the speedy. I'm hoping that he recovers well 
and mm-hmm. in good health. He's a wonderful person on top of being Great a brilliant team. artist. And yeah, and um, I, I'm not going to get all worked up while we talk about it. I hope not. I just, I, ho- I hope he's going to be okay because I don't want to think of a world without him. Yeah. And also just, I want him to keep doing what he's doing. You know, Absolutely. As, as long as he possibly can. So old and gray and we're annoying and decrepit. That's 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 what we all deserve. <laughs> it's the goal. It's the goal. Um, so sending yes. that out yeah. into the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next creative directions, next chapters in Hilo, um, sort of those things that are on the horizon, as well as if a listener hasn't connected with you before and kind of checked out what you're all about. I'm going to mention Red Hood again. I'm just going to put that out there for the older readers. Um, But then also uh, the Hilo series as well. So those spaces where folks can connect on the web, on the interwebs and other such things. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, if if you like starting, let's start with Batman. So, yes, yes, I I wrote (laughs) Batman for a number of years and and the series is collected. uh, My entire run is collected in a couple different places. They have like a big one that just came out mm-hmm. um which has the entire red hood saga uh and if you want the short version we did an animated movie uh that i was lucky enough to write uh batman under the red hood um and most of my dc work is collected and and as well as the marvel stuff i did as well as far as hilo um to keep up with me and hilo just follow me on oh man instagram and twitter and facebook i'm i'm right on there and mm-hmm. hilo i mean Often people say, where, where can we find Hilo? It's like, well, it's, it's, it's published by this small independent publisher called Random House. Yes, so yes. You can find, I hope you can they find do Hilo well. <laughs> where, yeah, they'll, they'll be okay. They're a comer. Yeah. I've, got, I've, got, I've got big hopes for them. Yes, so yes. So with that, <laughs> you can find Hilo wherever books are sold. Yes. <laughs> I, I always have great, great joy in saying like, could I, in your bookstore? Yes, you can find it in your neighborhood bookstore. Would they have it? If they don't, they can order it real easy. Trust me, it's wherever books are sold. If um, there's a tree yeah. house that starts stocking books, I'm sure Random House is there. There, there's there. they've scouted it out. Just <laughs> there's some there's a bookseller right there at the bottom of the tree saying like, "How are you folks doing today?" That's right. That's right. <laughs> can, can I can I interest you in a few things? You got ten minutes just to talk a little bit. Just That's looking right. out to flesh out your catalog a little bit. Um, <laughs> but this this I'm not even mocking at all. It's 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 uh, I I I have been very very lucky. Um, at many turns, at yeah, many yeah. turns in my life, including that, um, I guess you do the series, uh, you know, uh, when I get finished talking with you in, in, in a little bit, uh, I'm going to be hopping right back over there to my drafting table and nice. I'm working on Hilo book 11, um, nice, nice. you know, number nine came out uh, last February. Number 10 comes out this February, this coming February. Um, and, uh, I'm averaging about a book a year um, yeah. and uh, it's, you know, and luckily knock wood, um, they do well enough that I get to keep making them, which is all I really want to do. So it's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you have lead time. So it's not like you're writing 22 pages a month, every month. Like you were talking about those nah. first drafts and things. So you had, you have some time built into that year and yeah, more, publishing way, schedule. Way more way more time than i had in the past yeah sort of i mean it's funny that and this is boring business stuff um i do i do a book a year a new hilo every single year which is my understanding is rather quick Mm -hmm. comparatively 
when graphic novels started to take off a little bit for you know graphic novels for young people and Random House started to expand and try to b- bring in and buy more titles, um, a number of cartoonists I know said like, yeah, no, I just, I had a, I had a book pitch into Random House. We were talking about it and they're really into it and they want yeah. enough to be able to do a book a year. And I told them like, I can't do a book a year, like maybe every other year, maybe two years. And they said, well, Judd Winnick does a book a year. This is my buddy's <laughs> calling me. And, and, and like to, to, the, to the woman, to the man said, they said the same thing. It was like, well, good for Judd. I'm so <laughs> glad he can do a book a year. <laughs> and I must've heard this from like at least a good eight or nine good friends. It's like, oh yeah, they expect us to crack out a book a year. What are you doing? It's like, I have no other usable skills. And, <laughs> you are the trendsetter. And, well, I think it's the combo platter of one, I learned to draw quickly to a comic strip so I can mm-hmm. draw quickly. I draw like a comic strip. They're not, they're not that you know complex as far as my artwork. I'm not doing, I can name other cartoonists to do things which are a little more, you know, they're they're kind of like Peanuts and Calvin and Hobbes. They're kind of simple looking and I get a lot out of a little. And I wrote superhero comics over decades. So I, I, you know, and again, no one's telling me I can't use Nightwing anymore. So I could just go quickly. So yeah, it's yeah. all my 10,000 hours came into doing it just like this in this way. So that's at the moment how I can do it every year. And um, that's all I do. You know, it's, 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 I don't have like four other jobs or I don't have to do something else on top of it. Um, yeah. And it's great fun. And to anyone out, any, any uh any younger folks who are out there are thinking of doing something like this um it's great i mean i live like a 10 year old i make things up and draw them <laughs> look a- look around you here it's full of toys and comic books and you know it's it's the best and and my good friends are are, are other cartoonists and goofy people just like me so it's fun love it love it Lo- love the creative flow in the studio uh, love we were talking about the ubiquity of books and random house being everywhere i love that i can just get on my phone and read anything at this point in my life like yeah it's the future right now I yeah love it. i know just oh goodness i mean you know it's the absurdity of something being out of print right now does that seem mm-hmm. crazy like mm-hmm. it's out of print like really i can't last um and and they aren't you know if it's out of print they're working to put it back in print or at least you know electronically put it back in print that you'll have some access to it. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, it is a golden age of reading and I hope it continues. Agreed. Agreed. Um, did I miss anything in the talk through that you want to make sure to, to shout I out? So. I think I, oh, I think I've prattled on quite a bit, sir. So. <laughs> I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it a great deal and I appreciate the time. Uh, I don't want to keep you from your drawing board because I know that there are anxious readers out there that are probably like, well, that guy <laughs> stopped talking to him so he can get back over there and get another book out. Um, so I greatly appreciate it and glad to talk with you anytime. Oh, thank you, sir. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time for me. Thanks. Uh-huh.